Lovely to see you all fellowshipping. It's one of the things that Jesus bought for us on the cross, wasn't it? Walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another because the blood cleanses us. So he's enjoying, enjoying you, spending time chatting together. Let's pray before. We're just going to share the word for about 15 minutes and then we're going to have communion together as a family. Lord, we just, we're here to honour you today. We're here to thank you for being obedient to the cross, Lord, not giving up on the, what God had given you to do. And Lord, as all those songs said, the words in those songs, Lord, we're so grateful. You, it just means so much, Lord. And we're just scratching the surface and understanding what you brought for us at Calvary. So today as we get around your word, and celebrate communion with you, Lord. We just pray that you continue to quietness with your love, continue to show us your love, continue to help us understand that you, your love, nothing can separate us from it. You are always there. You are right there every day, every second of the day and the night. You are there for us. And we just want to thank you so much for making it possible. Amen. Amen. Cool. Through the scripture, we hear what the last words of Jesus before he died. Good Friday, it's his last thing that he had to do for the Father. What was on his mind? What does he want people standing at the foot of the cross to hear and repeat through the ages? If you have a red-letter Bible, you'd see those words written about the crucifixion. And there are only seven short statements that he speaks on the cross. He was on that cross from nine in the morning until he breathed his last at three in the afternoon. Hanging from a cross made breathing really difficult, let alone talking. So it was amazing that he did actually say things while he was on the cross. He would have been in terrible pain and would have prevented most people speaking, but he spoke. And so I just this morning want to look at those seven statements he made on the cross because he would have been telling us something really important in each of them. The first words he spoke were words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The thing about this is that it wasn't just to the people at the cross he was saying that. It was to all of us. Everyone who will ever live, he's saying those same words. Because it wasn't just the people there that put him on the cross. We have too, because we've all... Sinned. We've all hurt him and offended God in some way. And so those sins have helped put him on the cross as well. And when he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, he was interceding on the behalf of those people, but us too, every person that lives or will live. He wasn't denying our guilt and he wasn't denying the guilt of the people who put him there, but he was recognising that we didn't understand what we were doing 
We don't, and as children, you, you don't. You, do, you want to do what's right for mum and dad, eh? Well, your teachers, but sometimes there's something in you that just gets the better of you and you end up doing what you shouldn't do. Is that right? Even us adults find the same. But Jesus has come to give you strength to be able to do the things that you want to do, the good things. Jesus interceded and practiced what he preached, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He did that on the cross. And the writer of Hebrews said, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him, who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for us. Wow. Wow. And we know, we know our humanity, we know our struggles, but that's the, we've got to keep our eyes on that and what he says, that truth. Lord, you're able to save me. Wow. And present me faultless before the Father. And you're always praying for me. He's always interceding. Secondly, his words were words of salvation. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. When you see the three crosses, often you see the shadow of the three crosses around Easter. It reminds us that God offers us a choice because there were two thieves, one on each side, and they both responded differently to Jesus. One rejected him, the statement that he was the son of God. The other turned his face to him and said, Jesus, remember me today when you go to paradise. So he actually believed Jesus was the son of God. And those two choices have incredibly different outcomes. One had eternal life with the father. The other would have had separation forever from the father. And the cross is all about relationship with the Father. That's what it's all about. Jesus wanted us to have the relationship he's got with the Father. It's interesting there that Jesus gave great assurance to that thief who asked him. And the assurance that Jesus had reveals how confident he was of what would happen to him after his death. Because he said back to that thief on the cross next to him, he said, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's all. He just asked Jesus to take him to heaven and that was enough. That was enough. The third thing were the words of relationship that Jesus spoke on the cross. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. This is from the cross. And every word he's speaking would have been incredibly painful to get the breath to speak. But it's so important to him. Woman, here is your son. And then he turns to John, the disciple who was at the foot of the cross with his mother, Jesus' mother, and said to John, here is your mother. Meaning look after her.
Jesus remembered family. It was important to him to make arrangements for his mother to be looked after. We see his heart for family. and We see his heart for caring for each other and looking after each other. And that was really important to him. You'd think that round the base of the cross, those 11 disciples would have been there. But interestingly, it was only one. And his name was John. And that's the one Jesus chose to look after his mother. Fourthly, the words that he spoke were words of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He looked after his mother, made sure she was looked after, made sure she wasn't abandoned. But now we see his own suffering. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole earth. The darkness that lay over the land probably portrayed what was going on in Jesus' life and heart and spirit because God's presence was being eclipsed by the sins on Jesus. So darkness came. He'd been struggling on that cross for hours, and this is near the end. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's actually speaking the opening line of Psalm 22. It's in this psalm that prophetically expresses much of what he would go through. It talks about his hands and his feet being pierced and his bones being pulled out of joint and his clothes being gambled for and the mockery he endured and the thirst he struggled with. And the psalm ends on a note of confidence in God, but it begins with an honest cry of abandonment. Because he'd been connected to his father for eternity and this was the first time he was completely cut off from him. Because he took that, he's broken our separation with the Father. He's made it possible for us to have that relationship with the Father. The Apostle Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus went through being cut off from the Father. He knows what it's like to be cut off from the Father like we were before we knew him. But he's done it so we can have that relationship. The greatest pain he endured wasn't the whips and the thorns or the nails. It would have been being separated from his father. It's interesting. Jesus says in his own words in John 17 verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you. He's talking about the father the only true God. He's talking about us, that we would know the Father. This is eternal life, that we would know the Father. We would have a relationship with him. And we would know Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent. To me, that's the crux of the whole cross, is that we would know the Father. And you children can know him just as well as the adults do. Fifthly, they were words of distress. I'm thirsty, he cried. 
he's speaking out of his humanity here because he'd had, what he'd been through, he must have had incredibly dry mouth, dehydrated. And written centuries earlier, it was prophesied what this in Psalm 22. It says, My mouth is dried up like pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. And that was talking about Jesus on the cross. And in response to him calling out that, I'm thirsty, the guards gave him a drink of vinegar, wine vinegar. And that enabled him probably to be able to keep speaking because he still had some more, two more things to say. And by now it would have taken incredible effort to speak on the cross. And he wouldn't have just whispered it. He must have said it loud enough for people to hear because it's recorded. Sixthly, he spoke words of triumph. It is finished. He'd sabotaged the plans of the devil as well as those of his human enemies. It represents the greatest, most incredible turnaround in history ever. It is finished. It's not only his suffering that's finished, his whole life's work has finished, but now he's finished the work of breaking the power of the devil forever. It's interesting, the first prophecy in the Bible is in Genesis, and God predicts that Eve's offspring would be bruised in the heel by the serpent, the devil. He's talking about Jesus, that the devil would bruise his heel by putting him on the cross. But the next part of that prophecy is God predicts that Jesus will crush the serpent's head. And that was a result of his death on the cross. He robbed the devil of his power. He then went and got the keys of the kingdom of death and hell. And he has gained all authority in heaven and in earth through his name. Yeah, amen. It's, amen. And lastly, the last words he spoke were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Usually people who died on the cross died silently because they could hardly breathe. They had to push up to get a breath to say anything. But he was different. He spoke Loudly and boldly in that last few minutes of his life. And finally he cried out with a loud voice that says in the word, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he'd said that, he breathed his last. In committing his spirit into the hands of God, he was quoting Psalm 31 verse 5. The first thing we learn about in, that, in those scripture of that psalm, we also learn that Jesus' life was not taken from him. He gave it voluntarily. His spirit wasn't being ripped from, from his body by forces out of his control. He was intentionally giving his life to God. He said himself, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. 
And that breaks in a way the sadness of Easter because you know, Lord, you did this willingly and you knew you were going to get your life back. And you were going, he, that joy of what was ahead helped him stay on that cross for us. And the second thing we see on those last words there was that he trusted his father. Despite being abandoned and those three hours of darkness, he must have felt that terribly. He knew his father loved him and would receive his spirit on death. And we have that same hope that we will spend eternity with the father through Jesus. We have it. He's made the way for us. Amen. If the ushers could bring communion up and to start giving it out, we're going to take communion together. As you get the bread and the grape juice, just hold it because we want to take time and share it together as families. And if you haven't got family members here, then find friends or everyone look out for each other and make sure that everyone has someone to, to share communion with. And we will share it together and thank God together in your small groups, family groups and friend groups. Take the time to thank God for communion and what Easter means to us. Great.